Welcome, podcast friends. We have a fantastic episode for you today. Last year, we published The Best Investment Writing, Volume 4. We offered authors the opportunity to record an audio version of their chapter to be released as a segment of the podcast, and listeners loved it. This year, we're once again bringing you the entire volume of The Best Investment Writing, Volume 5, in podcast format. You'll hear from some of the most respected money managers and investment researchers from all over the world. Enough from me. Let's get to our guest and let them take over this special episode. Hi, this is Greg Obenchain. I'm a partner and director of credit at Verdad Advisors, a quantitative research-driven investment firm that invests across asset classes in search of the highest risk-adjusted returns. We publish a widely read weekly email, and you can learn more about us and read our past research at verdadcap.com, which is spelled V-E-R-D-A-D-C-A-P.com. I'm going to read a piece titled Sales and Distributions, How Revenue Growth and Distributions Drive Equity Returns. This was originally published on September 28, 2020, as the second of a three-part series that decomposed equity returns with the aim of understanding the source of returns. Return decomposition is an approach that I have found useful in the debt markets, and here I apply this methodology to the equity market. Sales and Distributions, How Revenue Growth and Distributions Drive Equity Returns. Last week, we introduced a method for decomposing equity returns. We found that revenue growth is the largest driver of equity returns, followed by changes in valuation multiples and net distributions to shareholders, with changes in multiples driving the vast majority of year-to-year volatility. Below, we show a simplified version of last week's decomposition. The average annual return of the U.S. stock market from 1996 to 2020 was 11%, of which 6% came from revenue growth, 2% came from change in multiple, and 2% came from net distributions. This simplified aggregate conceals a significant diversity in how investors earn money in the equity market. To take one extreme, Amazon has compounded at over 20% per year with returns for shareholders made entirely through revenue growth with negative distributions, meaning the company has borrowed and issued equity to grow. On the other extreme, Kimberly-Clark has barely grown at all, but it has provided investors with stable annual distributions, leading to a healthy long-term return. If we look at the return decomposition, Kimberly-Clark's average annual return of 9% came 2% from revenue growth, 1% from change in multiple, and 5% from net distributions. Amazon's was 29% from revenue growth, 4% from change in multiple, and negative 2 from net distributions for an average annual return of 32%. And I'll note that the compound return is lower at 24%, but our return decomposition uses average annual returns to decompose returns. These represent two successful equity value creators, but not every company is an Amazon or a Kimberly-Clark. Indeed, the market is also rife with failure and value destruction. The worst performing segment of the market is dominated by failed Amazons. They can purchase revenue growth, but it never exceeds the capital invested. A classic example of this would be the electric scooters that once littered many major cities. These companies briefly grew revenue at astonishingly high rates, but the aggregate revenue generated never exceeded the capital deployed to buy and maintain the scooters. We can divide the equity market into four broad types of companies along two dimensions. Growth, those that grow revenue at rates above or below the market average, and value creation, those that are creating or destroying economic value defined as the sum total of revenue growth and distributions. Value creators have a positive combination of sales growth and net distributions. Either component can be negative, but the combination must be positive. Value destroyers 
have a negative combination of sales growth and net distributions. Either one component is more negative than the other, or they are both negative. We summarize this in the matrix below. And this is a simple two by two matrix. Across the top, we have value creation, value creators on the left and value destroyers on the right. And down the side, we have sales growth with high sales growth on the top and low sales growth on the bottom. We're gonna start on the left-hand side of this matrix with value creators. We're gonna call high sales growth value creators profitable growth and low sales growth value creators low growth value creators. Amazon is an example of a profitable growth company and Kimberly Clark is an example of a low growth value creator. These two types of companies are most of the market and companies tend to reside in one or the other quadrant with some persistence. Now looking at the right side of the matrix at value destroyers, high sales growth value destroyers are, we'll call unprofitable growth and low sales growth value destroyers we'll call low growth value destroyer. Unprofitable growth companies would include scooter companies and many oil and gas companies prior to the oil sell-off in 2015. Low growth value destroyers include many oil and gas companies after 2015 and several struggling retail companies. Both value destroyer quadrants are a smaller part of the universe and there's far less persistence as companies either move to value creation, restructure, or disappear. These four types of companies perform very differently. Below, we show returns from 1996 to 2020 for each of these four categories of stock. We divide the companies each year based on the prior year's growth and value creation and then show the return decomposition the following year. The data is revenue weighted because it better shows the underlying dynamics. Profitable growth companies had compound annual returns of 8%. Low growth value creators had annual returns of 10%. Unprofitable growth companies had compound annual returns of negative 3% and low growth value destroyers had compound annual returns of 6%. The perhaps unexpected result is that the highest returning segment is the low growth value creators. While sales growth is a large contributor to returns in the aggregate data set, it turns out that when earnings distributions impact returns, they impact them a lot. The segment of low growth value creators only grows revenue at 3% but it has net distribution returns of 4% and is helped by multiples expanding. Profitable growth has much higher revenue growth, but that is offset by multiples contracting and no contribution from distributions. The unprofitable growth segment is the most interesting. It has companies with extremely high revenue growth and multiples, but these companies are burning investor capital. On average, these valuations fall dramatically and the return on a strategy that continually invests in this kind of company is negative. It is also the smallest segment as it is difficult for a company to persist here. Low growth value destroyers do not suffer the same fate, if only because of their low starting multiples. On average, multiples actually expand for this quadrant but they are still consuming investor capital and on average have lower returns with much higher volatility. The below chart shows the market cap weighted returns of each of these four types of companies. Punchline from this chart is that low growth value creators have the highest cumulative returns, profitable growth second, low growth value destroyers third and relatively close to profitable growth, and unprofitable growth a distant fourth and actually with a line below the starting level as it destroys. It has negative returns. While sales growth may be the largest component of stock returns, it is uncertain and comes with high multiples that are also uncertain 
and have more room to fall. The history of growth versus value investing would suggest that investors have traditionally overpaid for growth from sales relative to growth from distributions, which are more predictable. Even within the value destroyer category, a category which should have terrible returns, though low growth stocks do better, perhaps because they start at less than half the multiple of the unprofitable high growth stocks. In our decomposition, the only difference between the two categories is that the low growth value destroyers have rising multiples on average. Value investing is premised on the idea that multiples drive the majority of stock market volatility and that multiples are mean reverting with low multiple stocks tending toward increased multiples and high multiple stocks tending toward multiple contraction. This phenomenon explains why the segment of low growth value destroyers above does surprisingly well, despite bad fundamentals. Over the long term, ignoring everything else and just focusing on multiples turns out to be the most profitable strategy even more profitable than investing in companies that distribute profits or profitable growth firms, though it does require annual rebalancing into the cheapest companies. Below, we show the exact same data set as in figures four and five with returns for a naively defined value as the lowest 20% of sales to TEV versus growth defined as the highest 20% of sales versus total enterprise value. And in this chart, value handily outpaces growth. And in fact, is higher returning than any of the four categories in the previous chart. Lower multiples turn out to be an extraordinary predictor of returns, although with much more volatility, periodically experiencing dramatic drawdowns. Note the sharp fall off in returns of value as compared to growth over the past few years. This resulted from valuation multiples for both value and growth failing to mean revert as they usually do. For the past three years, and in June 2019, changes in multiples have reduced growth returns by just 0.6% versus a long-term average reduction of 8%. While changes in value multiples have increased returns by the same 0.6%. For the past three years, ending June 2019, changes in multiples have reduced growth returns by just 0.6% versus a long-term average reduction of 8%. On the other hand, value multiples have also increased by 0.6%, but versus a long-term average increase of 6%. Below, we show the historical spread between value multiple expansion and growth multiple compression. When above zero, growth has higher returns for multiple changes than value does. And in the chart below, we show that the only time that the line has been above zero is in 1998, 1999, 2015, and 2019. Over long histories, multiple changes are averaged out, but in any shorter period, the volatility of multiples can lead to significant distortions. It is true that returns come mostly from sales growth, but that does not mean that the best path to making returns is to try to capture that sales growth. It is often expensive and unpredictable. And while it can deliver spectacular returns, it turns out that earnings and value often deliver higher and less volatile returns.